Being in the great outdoors can be good for the mind, body, and spirit. Disconnecting and being surrounded by nature does sound peaceful. But of course, where we find peace, we can often find chaos. Today, we're hiking through some of the most majestic parks in the U.S. whose reputations have been tested by murder. And for some of these crimes, finding the killers was no walk in the park. Hey, all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week, we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast Research Gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 state park crimes. Let's put it this way. I avoid the great outdoors like a plague in and of itself. You actually have a sweatshirt that says indoorsy. I wear that frequently. I love that sweatshirt. I'm the same way. Yep. I am definitely not an outdoorsy person myself. I like looking at a spooky forest. On Google. Love it. Love looking at it. Love hearing about it. I love the quiet that a spooky forest can afford me. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not a hiker. Really. No. I'm really not a hiker. My friends, like all throughout high school and still, really enjoyed hiking, especially my friend Lindsay. She's like, she's like an expert oh, hiker. Yeah. And she lives in Colorado. So she was like, let's go hike in this wicked cool state park. But I was like, yeah, for sure. But then we drove most of the way because I didn't want to hike it. And I actually don't even remember the name of the state park that we were in. So there, there's my outdoors level. You're like, you know what? I did hike in a state park once I got in my car. <laughs> And I drove. I hiked my car up the road. I was so hot at the end. It was crazy. It was beautiful. Uh, I don't, I actually, I say this, I'm like making fun of you, but I don't think I've ever been in one of the bigger state parks. I Maybe really you don't. have and you're like me and you just don't remember. I just didn't even know it. I was probably in a car. I do want to visit some of them because I think they're cool. They're spooky. Yeah. They're historical. They're beautiful. I'm definitely way more scared, though, of like scary humans out there than mm-hmm. I am of like wildlife or nature. I'm scared of it all combined, and I'm also scared of a pulled muscle, so I'm all set. Oh, yeah. I'm, I am not looking to pull a hammy in a state park. No, you won't see me there. No. Well, unlike us, all the people on this list actually enjoyed hiking or the outdoors at one point or another. Elena has five such people, and so do I. But neither of us knows who will climb to the top of the hill first. You know that. The hill, yeah. <laughs> Let's start the countdown. I'll start us off with number 10, the Malibu State Park murder. This case started on June 22, 2018, when at almost 5 a.m., Tristan Baudet was shot and killed while sleeping in a tent. He was camping in a popular campground area with his two young daughters, who were unharmed. His murder released a horde of questions, conspiracy theories, potential police negligence, and public paranoia. The crime was very striking because of the location, being this beautiful, scenic, celeb-filled neighborhood of Malibu. So obviously there's a lot of false security there. Yeah, like, for nothing sure. nothing ever happens here. It's a quiet little Malibu town. Celebrities are here. Britney nothing Spears. bad can happen. Well... It was a shocker because authorities were aware of at least seven unsolved gunshot shootings of humans and vehicles in and around the park 
between November 2016 and Tristan Bodet's murder. So they knew, and then they were just like, eh, somebody's out there. Seven unsolved. Oh, that's a lot. And they're like, now eight, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. It was perceived that authorities did nothing. At very least, they could have issued, I don't know, a public safety warning. Well, yeah, because you would (laughs) think like, hey, just know if you stumble into this area, things and people tend to get shot a lot. Just so you know, there's been a few of those. Yeah, maybe don't go there. Be on the lookout. Well, police finally arrested Anthony Rauda after security footage from multiple break-ins in the area showed him with a rifle stealing food from various places. Okay. That freaks me out. That's a that's a lot. Anthony Rauda, what are you doing? A grand jury indicted him for one count of murder and 10 counts of attempted murder. Whoa. That's a lot. Where did that happen? That was in connection with other shootings and five counts of second degree burglary. All right. So by Anthony. He had a lot going on. Uh, yes. A lot. To say the least. But people in the area still reported hearing gunshots after he was detained. And some in the area don't believe Rauda is the actual killer. Or how about this? Maybe he just wasn't working alone. I was going to say, maybe he's just not the only one. Yeah. Nine. At number nine is the cold case murder of Armin B. Johnson in the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Like number 10, it's a shocking crime set against a beautiful landscape. But in this case, there are no suspects or answers to how Armin's body ended up along the highway on the southern edge of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park on April 13, 2005. A park visitor actually discovered his body, and an autopsy later showed that Armin died of a single gunshot wound to the upper back slash neck area. So like execution style. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, so freaky. Authorities believe the killing took place where the body was found. Which is like That's really strange. creepy and also yeah. just like not where you would expect that to happen. No. Armin moved to the Big Island in 1984. When his body was found, he was wearing a tank top, slipper sandals, swim trunks, and socks. Oh. A true local. I was going to say, that's just exactly what you picture. Yeah, just strolling around Hawaii, oh. man. He had worked as a massage therapist, actually, and gave therapeutic aid to autistic children. Stop it. Which is just like, okay, be more pure. How could you? Which, my heart. that also made the case more confusing as to who would want to hurt him in the first place. I was just going to say, why would you ever want to hurt a person like this? Yeah, like what enemies could this guy possibly have? Oh, is this like wrong place, wrong time? It kind of sounds like mm. it. He also hosted a regular reggae music show on the local radio station. Oh, which I I'm like, love him. definitely would have tuned in. Yeah. A reward was offered by the FBI for information in regards to Armin's case, which still remains unsolved. I want to solve this just for Armin. I do too. I love him. Oh. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of state park crimes is the Bear Brook murders in Allenstown, New Hampshire. The bodies of two females were found in a 55-gallon barrel in 1985. In June 2000, another barrel was found in the woods with two more bodies. It took years to identify the victims, whose murders can all be attributed to one man. Ooh. This one freaks me out every time I read it. I remember when it was all happening, when they found them. And they're like, they're like little babies. Oh, they're so young. It's also crazy. That's like a long time apart. 1985 to 2000. It is. Huh. It's crazy. So Thanksgiving 1978. 
That's the last time the family of Marlise Elizabeth Honeychurch said that they saw her. Okay, can we talk about what a pure name that is? Honeychurch. Why is everyone on this list so great? I know, they're all pure. That day she brought her new boyfriend, Terry Rasmussen, the man who would later kill her (gasps) and her two daughters. Oh. Yeah. What? Yeah. I feel like that's like a very ominous and sounding name too. I don't know what it is about it. Um, Rasmussen? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. There were three of the victims found in the barrels, so three out of the four, Mm -hmm. identified in 2019. The fourth was determined to be Rasmussen's biological daughter in 2016. What? But remains unidentified, and they all died of blunt force trauma. Okay. Isn't this like... Yeah, I'm like I'm like struggling to find the words. Every single one that comes up, you you, what? what? Yeah, because it's like he killed her and her children and his daughter? Girlfriend, two daughters, and then his daughter. Wow. Yes. I need to know way more about this. Rasmussen became known to authorities as the chameleon killer because of his multiple aliases, including Bob Evans in early 1980s. What a random switch. (laughs) It's Terry Rasmussen to Bob Evans. Keeping it simple. That's a big alias. He is suspected of killing six more people, and maybe more, and honestly, probably more. Let's be real. Okay. Rasmussen died in prison in 2010. No! I know, I know! I'm so angry! Because you're like, I need to know more! No, that's the thing! And I know there's just so many questions with this case, and so many things that who knows if they're ever going to find out. Yeah, there's like so many missing pieces of the puzzle. It's infuriating. Yeah, I need to like go in a deep Deep dive dive for that. (laughs) It's time. Wow. Seven. At number seven this week is David Carpenter, aka the Trailside Killer. This number doesn't cover just one state park because Carpenter made several parks, his killing and burial grounds across Northern California in the early 80s, terrifying a community along the way. Carpenter targeted young women. He stalked and then murdered them on sparsely populated hiking paths, earning him the nickname the Trailside Killer. That's horrifying. Yeah, terrifying. Maybe that's, don't go hiking. Don't do it. Maybe that's what that is. (laughs) That's what that is. In October of 1979, though, the body of a 23-year-old woman was found in San Fran's Golden Gate National Recreation Area. DNA was collected, which would soon be ID'd as Carpenter's. He also murdered at least five people and buried them in Point Reyes National Seashore, all of whom were discovered on the same day. March 27, 1981, Carpenter attacked Ellen Hansen and her boyfriend Stephen at Henry Cowell Redwoods State Park. Jeez. Yeah, he's going like, everywhere. He's going like bing, bang, boom. Hansen actually died of her wounds, but her boyfriend survived and gave a description of the killer. Yes. Boom. In May of 1981, though, Carpenter's 20-year-old co-worker, Heather Skagg's body, was found in Big Basin State Park in Santa Cruz County. Jeez. So he just went nuts. He was busy. But, I mean, good thing the guy was able to get the description. Six. Also on our list at number six is Gary Michael Hilton, AKA the National Forest Serial Killer. Oh. Just like the Trailside Killer at number seven, we're again going to cover a lot of ground due to Hilton's multiple state park murders between 2007 and 2008. 
So he was here, there, and everywhere, and like super fast too. Yeah, and it's horrific. He's oh, a horrific good. man. Hilton was an army veteran, woodsman, and survivalist. He was honorably discharged from the army due to schizophrenia. Oh, okay. In 2007, he murdered victims in North Carolina's Pisgah National Forest and Florida's Apalachicola National Forest. In 2008, and this one is so sad, like so sad. Oh no. He brutally murdered Meredith Emerson in Georgia's Chattahoochee Forest. Emerson managed to fight him off and stay alive for three days in his company. Wait, what? So she was yes. with him for three days? Yes. Her murder is what ultimately led to his arrest, though. Oh, man. I know. It's so sad. That's another one I want to look into. He was sentenced to life in prison in Georgia in January 2008, and he was sentenced to death in Florida in April 2011, and sentenced to four life sentences in North Carolina in April 2013. Just a couple sentences. He got, he got a few. Hilton claims he is ineligible for a death sentence because of his mental illness, but we'll see. I mean, he's a pretty terrible person. So. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's that. Wow, this list so far. Who wants to go hiking? Not me not ever. Me. Not, not before me. this and not after it. And how sad is it that like these people are just doing something innocent? They're just going hiking. Yeah, they, they want to see like, to worry a beautiful about this. landscape. You yeah, know? we shouldn't have to worry about these creeps. But no. here we are. Those last two men too. Those were they were all over the place. Yeah, Gary Michael Hilton. If you look into him, who? Oh boy. Oh man. We're gonna be actually covering him on Morbid soon. And oh boy. What are we getting into yeah, for no the rest good. of the countdown? Yeah, those were the the. The like top lower five. five? The, yeah, exactly. I'm a little scared to see what's coming next. Hi, listeners. It's Carter from Parcast, and I am thrilled to tell you about a new limited series I'm hosting just in time for Father's Day. It's called Devious Dads, and it introduces you to some of the most feared, fraudulent, and fatal fathers in history. Every Sunday on Spotify, discover the men who started out as role models and ended up becoming real-life criminals, like Wall Street financier Bernie Madoff, whose billion-dollar Ponzi scheme destroyed countless families, including his own, or Marvin Gaye Sr., whose envy and resentment towards his son's successful music career drove him to murder. Each episode of Devious Dads has been handpicked from shows across the ParCast network, shining a light on the men who are far more wicked than wise. This summer, catch a glimpse of the frightening side of fatherhood. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Listen free only on Spotify. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of state park crimes. Starting off the second half of our list is the Yellowstone loud music shooting and the zone of death. Oh, this one's interesting. It is. In the summer of 2020, actually, 47-year-old Brian Jones Marks shot at some people for playing their music too loud in the park area. Oh. Just, you know, overreaction to the highest degree. He faced felony charges of robbery and assault with a weapon. 
but he possibly would have gotten away with it had he committed his crime in the park's zone of death. This is crazy. Now, I'm sure you're wondering what the heck is the zone of death. I've read a little bit about this. It's nuts. Yeah, it is. The majority of Yellowstone National Park is in the state of Wyoming, but two small sections dip into Montana and Idaho. So the part of Yellowstone that's in Idaho is 50 square miles of park. And that's what they call the zone of death because of a loophole in the U.S. Constitution. Yellowstone is assigned to Wyoming's district court system, probably because it's mainly in that state, so that makes sense. Yeah. So if you commit a crime there, you'll end up in the Wyoming judicial system. Except Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution says that the trial shall be held in the state where you committed the crime. So if your crime was in the zone of death, you can invoke the Constitution and be sent to Idaho for your trial. You following? Oh, I'm following. It's a lot. (laughs) But also, the Sixth Amendment says trials require local juries. Your jury has to be from the state and the district where the crime was committed. Uh Uh-oh. So a crime in the zone of death requires a jury pool from the state of Idaho and the district of Wyoming. The problem is, no one lives in the 50-square-mile zone of death in Idaho. Imagine if just one person did, and they were just always the... Like they always got jury duty. <laughs> That's probably why nobody settles yeah. there, I guess. In theory, there's no way for you to get a trial as stated in the U.S. Constitution. So you could, again, in theory, walk free. That is bananas. In theory. It's so weird that that exists, though. <laughs> I know. You would think that they would maybe fix that. That they would maybe tighten that up. Yeah, I don't know. Like, no more loopholes. <laughs> Let's just tighten that one up. Blah. Four. Landing at number four this week is the Pinchot Park murder. At around 8.30 p.m. on June 8th, 2020, a 911 call was made by a camper saying he'd found a body under a blanket in his campsite. When he went to check it out, there were actually two women, Lauren Gallagher, who had been killed, and Jolie Harris, who claimed they had been attacked. Oh, Weird. Weird. Very dark. Prior to the 911 call, an abandoned car was found in the park. Inside, they found a dead dog. No. And Jolie Harris's cell phone. Random. I'm already out. Yeah. There's a dead dog. I'm also like, Jolie, what's your deal? What's going on? When they found the women, Harris said she and her girlfriend, Lauren, had been attacked. Lauren had been killed by sharp force trauma to the neck, which sounds Uh, pretty terrible. Yup. Harris, however, didn't have very many injuries at all. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't wrong about my gut feeling on this one. Yeah, it's always weird when that happens. Yeah, it's very Lululemon murder. And there was no evidence anyone else had been in their campsite. Can, can you can you guess where this is? Are you seeing where this might be panning out to? Sort of. When you, you know, said Lululemon murder, you kind of nailed it on the head. Yeah. Police discovered a rock and a razor that both appeared to have blood on them, which is horrifying. Yep, hate that. On Harris's phone, the phrases, does antifreeze have taste? Girl. What percent of murder in U.S. is domestic violence? Girl. And windpipe location were among the searches. Okay, that last one, it's like, it's, it's right here. It is, it's right there. Like, I can point to I'm it. I'm surprised you had to Google that. Also, like... Do, do I have similar searches on my thing? One thousand percent. But but I don't have a dead body attached to me, so hope not. So there's that. Yeah, that's a lot. And also, do these people not re- like that's 2020? You don't realize yeah. that they're probably going to look at your search history. Yeah, they're definitely going to look at your search history. Yeah, you should know that. Yeah. 
Harris also claimed she had no idea what had happened, or even how they ended up camping at Pinchot Park. That's a lie. Despite the reservation also being found on her phone. Siri says, that's a lie. Where everything was found. It was just a blueprint for what happened. Number three on our countdown of state park crimes is the Shenandoah National Park murder of Julianne Williams and Laura Winans. Julianne and Laura were both young 20-somethings who loved the outdoors. They set off for a hike in May 1996 through the Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. Days later, they were found brutally murdered at their campsite. Their suspected killer would eventually never be charged. That's horrifying. Yeah. So they set up camp off of one of the park's horse trails. Deputy Chief Ranger said about the area, it wasn't a heavily used or heavily traveled trail. So already we're like, uh, not in a good area. Already you're like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. On May 31st, Julianne Williams' father reported them missing. The very next day on June 1st, searchers found their campsite and their bodies. Now this is terrifying. Both women had been gagged. (gasps) Julie's body was found outside the tent, quote, approximately 30 to 40 feet away down a little embankment. Lolly's body was inside the tent. Her hands had been bound with the duct tape that had first been used to tape Julie's mouth. Oh, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is like brutal in a very, very scary way. Both were partially undressed, but neither seemed to have been assaulted. Police eventually arrested Daryl David Rice after he attacked another woman in that same park. Stop it. Despite being indicted on murder charges, though, a lack of physical evidence caused the charges to be dismissed but, quote, without prejudice, meaning he could still be charged at a later date. Oh, man. Isn't that really interesting? That's crazy. I've never actually heard of that happening. Yeah, Without I prejudice. Either. That's interesting. Ooh. Yeah. What does number one and two hold? I know what number two holds, but not number one. Oh, girl, I know what number one holds. And if you weren't going to go in the park before, you're never going to a park again. Oh, no. We're not even going to go to like a little park with like a swing set. We're not even going to look at a postcard. I'm just going to teleport myself into my car (laughs) and to my home. And that's it. Oh, Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of state park crimes. At number two is Yosemite National Park and serial killer Carrie Stainer. Stainer was arrested and charged with murdering four women in Yosemite after being considered and dismissed as a potential suspect. After being arrested, he told a news reporter during an interview, quote, I am guilty. What? And spilled all the details of what he had done. Stainer wanted fame from his crimes. Imagine that news interviewer. You're just, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, we have to go call the police. (laughs) All right. I wasn't ready for this. Cool. I always hate the ones that want fame. Yeah. The worst. really annoying. Those are the worst ones. So Carol Sund, Julie Sund, and Sylvina Peloso headed to the Cedar Lodge in Yosemite in February 1999. That's where Carrie Stainer worked as a maintenance man. Mm-hmm. So now we already see where this is going. 
Initial suspicions were the three women had wandered off the main path on one of the hikes and gotten lost. That's what they always think, and usually that's not the case. That also sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. You just, like, wander off a path and get lost in a state park. That's actually called the Blair Witch Project. Ooh, I hate it. But on March 19th, the bodies of Carol and Sylvina were found in their burned-out rental car in the woods. Uh, what? Julie's body was later discovered near Lake Pedro. That's terrifying. I hate this. Uh Uh-huh. Given the location, police assumed that the killer was familiar with the area, of course, Mm -hmm. and interviewed a ton of potential suspects. One of the people arrested and later released was Carrie Stainer. How is he released? I have no idea. Because then he's just like, no, I did it. Yeah. Everybody, just kidding. It put me back. Yeah, that was fun, but I did it. Then another murder. Joey Ruth Armstrong's body was found on the morning of July 22nd, 1999. So he was released and then another murder. Yeah, like boom. Like, ugh. Carrie Stainer was questioned again and just went ahead and confessed. What an idiot. Because I don't know if he just like wanted to do one more and then he was like, all right, I'm ready to say it now. It's terrifying. It's weird. He wanted producers to make a movie about him because his brother Steven was a heroic kidnapping victim, which is another crazy story. That is weird. And that happened when they were kids and a movie of the week was made about him. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I want my movie. Okay. That's he like- did it way, way worse. Sure, Jan. <laughs> I hate him. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 state park crimes. The 1960 Starved Rock State Park Murders. You know them. I knew it. In March of 1960, three Chicago area women set out on a girls trip to Rock State Park near Utica, Illinois. They checked into the Starved Rock Lodge, headed out for a hike, and were never seen alive again. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, it's rough. On March 16th, two days after they arrived at the park, the bodies of Lillian Edding, Francis Murphy, and Mildred Linquist were found within a cave. They all had catastrophic head injuries consistent with suffering close to 100 blows. Ugh. Like, the absolute most brutality. 100. 100 blows. And it was thought to be from a frozen tree limb that was found nearby with blood on it. I can't even imagine swinging my arm a hundred times. No. A giant frozen tree limb. Right? Ooh. And just like the anger that you must have inside of you. Yeah, that's rage. Now, because of blood pools and patterns, police had theorized that the killer left the bodies in the clearing outside, fled the scene, and then came back later to drag the bodies inside the cave. There's something so much worse about that. Yeah. Coming back after. Real weird. The day before the bodies were found, Chester Weger, a 21-year-old dishwasher at Starved Rock Lodge, showed up to work with scratches on his face. What happened, Chester? Little weird. Do you have a cat? Maybe, maybe not. After investigators surveilled him and he failed several polygraphs, he was arrested and he confessed, giving tons of details about the crime. Mm -mm. But here's the drama. He retracted his confession. He sure did. He pled not guilty. Uh Uh-oh. But then he was convicted and sentenced to life. What is going on? Now, he wrote a book where he continues to say he's innocent, and he has spent years fighting for parole or trying to get clemency. Then, on February 21st, 2020, at the age of 80, Chester Weger was released from prison. I remember when that happened. But it's like, he's 80, so like hopefully he's not going to do anything else. Oh, Lord. Yikes. 
number one was number one. I had a feeling it was going to be. Yeah. And there were actually a couple in here that I didn't even think of. Like, I forgot about the zone of death. Yeah, that one is wild. I didn't know about that. That is insane. Yeah. But yeah. Don't go there. I think these were perfect. Yeah. We landed where we needed to land. Good job, gods. I don't want any more. No, thank you. I'm good. But you, you really did well. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other ParCast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at ParCast on Facebook and Instagram and at ParCast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which you're at the end, so I hope you do, you can follow our other podcast, Morbid. You can follow us anywhere that you hear podcasts, or you can follow us on Twitter at AmorbidPodcast or on Instagram at Morbid Podcast. And we will see you on Monday. Keep it weird till then, but definitely stay out of the national parks. Yeah, put your hiking boots away. Yeah. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic. Fact checking by Cara Macerline. Research by Ambika Chotera, J.K. Hio, and Mickey Taylor. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. Hey there, Carter again. As we close out, here's a reminder to check out my new ParCast limited series, Devious Dads. For 10 weeks, we're exposing the men who are far more flawed than fatherly, ruining anyone who stood in their way, even their own families. Follow Devious Dads free only on Spotify.